This week, Mr. John Strand is traveling. Matt Alderman will be filling in. We're going to talk about the evolution of vulnerability management. I thought since Matt's not, Matt and I were doing the show, it was a good opportunity uh, to talk about vulnerability management and kind of where we stand today as Matt and I both worked uh, for Tenable. Uh, and a lot of time has passed, so we'll get an update there. Um, let's see. In the enterprise security news, Cisco unlocks IoT potential with intent-based networking. Qualys extends cloud their cloud platform with patch management. Tenable announces the general availability of predictive prioritization. And Lacework announces security support for Azure and multi-cloud environments. Stay tuned for all that and more on this episode of Enterprise Security Weekly. This is Security Weekly. For security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where we talk security vendors and aren't afraid to name names. It's Enterprise Security Weekly. Signal Sciences secures the most important web applications, APIs, and microservices of the world's leading companies, protecting over 7,500 applications and 150 billion production requests per week. Signal Sciences NextGen WAF and RASP help companies increase security and maintain site reliability without sacrificing velocity, all at the lowest total cost of ownership. Signal Sciences patented technology protects any application against any attack with integrations into any DevOps toolchain. Signal Sciences, demand more from your WAF. Learn more at signalsciences.com forward slash PSW. Are you worried about PCI compliance? Does your development team understand or care about security? Are you ready to face a breach of your customer's sensitive data? See the worst that can happen before it does. Black Hills Information Security can help you help management see the future. Email consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com to find out how a web application penetration test can mitigate the risk before you go live. Welcome to Enterprise Security Weekly, episode number 126 for February 13th, 2019. That's right, fellas, this is the day where we go buy Valentine's Day gifts for our significant others. I'm, of course, your host, Paul Asadorian, joined by Matt Alderman. Matt, welcome. Thank you, Paul. Did you Studio get your... 3.0. 3.0, that's right. You're, and then there's going to be a 4.0. There will be a 4.0. After that. Yes. <laughs> So did you do your Valentine's Day shopping, Matt? Of course not. We moved on Monday. Yeah. I got the studio barely set up uh, Monday night because we were supposed to do a, a pre-recorded interview mm -hmm. that got moved. And so this is the first recording out of Studio 3.0. So I, no, I haven't had time yet. And, and Lauren's just over there a little way, so we better not. We better not it. talk about that. We better start talking about security so she tunes us out, right? <laughs> right. A uh, couple of quick announcements. RSA Conference is coming up March 4th through the 8th. Please visit rsaconference.com forward slash securityweekly-us19. Use the discount code 5U9SWFD. Get you $100 off the full conference pass. You can, of course, book an uh, interview with us. The interviews are paid and will air on this show. Uh, and we'd like to talk about the problem you solve, your solution, and why it's better than everyone else. We record that snippet at RSA, and then we air it uh, on this show, which is awesome. You can also do a free briefing with Matt and or myself. Uh, those are free. We like to learn uh, about the various security vendors. Now, we do get to pick which ones that we do briefings with. Uh, so Matt and I will be choosing uh, wisely 
and uh, those briefings are free. So if you're interested in either of those items, you can go to securityweekly.com forward slash conference request. Um, we have, just so you know, Paul, we've mm-hmm. got about, I think, 50 mm-hmm. free briefing requests and only about mm, 14, maybe 18 slots. Depends on how we do with the interview sure. segments. So we're starting to get full. Uh, we've got a few of the, the sponsored interviews left, but I got a ton of requests for the free the ones. Free so we'll go yeah. through those in a couple of weeks. Well, it, it's interesting. The the paid interviews are kind of like a condensed down briefing, but for public consumption. Correct. So Yeah. And by airing them here, you know, a lot of people get visibility to mm-hmm. them on this network because we get, you know, average, you know, a little over 19,000, almost 20,000 downloads for the show. Uh, so pretty broad exposure for anybody who does that in a kind of a condensed format. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the first webcast of 2019 is upon us. You can register at securityweekly.com forward slash forward. I can't say forward slash for some reason. Securityweekly.com slash webcasts. Uh, this will be with Extra Hop as our sponsor. Rise above complex workflows, practical ways to accelerate incident response. I'll be talking about some of the network and security monitoring that I've been doing, the projects that I've been working on. Uh, and Matt from Extra Hop will talk about the awesome tools and extra capabilities that you can build upon your infrastructure with uh, using Extra Hop's tools. We'll talk, you know, DNS is one of the things that Matt and I were talking about. And there's so many ways to tunnel out DNS. And when the attackers do that, I'm like, but if you were looking for this type of DNS traffic in this, you know, way, I'd find you every time. And they're like, yeah. And Matt from Extra Hop's like, yeah, we can show you how to do that. So it's going to be awesome. Securityweekly.com slash webcasts. Make sure you go register today. All righty. We're going to start with the enterprise security news. Uh, Cisco has a lot of buzzwords in this first one, Matt. They've got IoT and this new one that I keep seeing called intent-based networking, which is kind of like I think of it as sort of like zero trust sort of like the AI and machine learning type stuff that we do with firewall policies, that kind of thing, right? Because we no longer live in the world where uh, you've got a source IP address and a destination IP address. That's very simplistic. I mean, my rules for my firewalls today are very simplistic, right? The uh, things that get more complicated are what applications are allowed to talk to which applications. Um, And that's where I think intent-based comes in, correct? Yeah, I think it's this concept of what is the device supposed to be doing? What does it normally communicate with? What does it do when it communicates? And, and can you kind of enforce aspects of that behavior around this concept of intent-based uh, security? Because these IoT devices, whether they're in the home or in the industrial use, and they talk about industrial IoT here a lot because that's kind of the, the broader mm-hmm. commercial use case of this, of you know, there's a lot of different devices and they do a lot of different things. And it would be really hard to monitor aspects of this. We saw this with some of the early IoT vendors that are really looking at, based on the device, based on what type of device it is, here's what we expect it to do. And now if you can enforce aspects of that at the networking layer, that's pretty cool. It's interesting. In uh, I don't know if I ever told you my, my story about Palo Alto, right? Because I think we're in a similar place when it comes to the new zero trust networking and intent-based networking is in 2004, early 2005, um, 
I got an opportunity to sit with these two gentlemen that were from this new network security company. And they had designed a firewall that would work more intelligently than really any other firewall that was on the market. Now, working at the university, we struggled implementing a lot of tools that would figure out even what a protocol should look like and then either block or shape traffic based on that protocol. That was really important to us. And it was a long road just to get to 2005 uh, to be able to do that in a university network. So when these two gentlemen are sitting you know, in, our, in the conference room, I was like, they went through their whole thing about how they can learn protocols, apply different rules to protocols, uh, and, and do all this really advanced firewall stuff. I'm like, that sounds great. If you guys can make that work, you're going to be really successful. Uh, one of those people in that room was was near Zuck from Palo Alto Networks, and it was a Palo Alto uh, Networks uh, very early on. Obviously, they made it work because they were very successful uh, and still are today uh, in doing that. Now, of course, they've got competition. Cisco has uh, similar features, as does Checkpoint, of course, are the, you know, the major players. Um, but I think we're in a similar kind of space today or, or, or position today when we look at intent-based networking, software-defined networking, and, and all of these new algorithms, essentially, that are making those uh, super intelligent decisions about what should talk to what based on behavior. It's the next, it really is the next generation of, of firewalls, and we've joked about, you know, next generation on the show, but it really is the next generation. Yeah, and it's not just the, the firewall. I mean, because the firewalls are still limited yeah to this perimeter concept. And uh, now granted, perimeters still exist, but we're also seeing those perimeters open up. And it, the problem is not as simple as you take all your traffic, shove it through a central mm -hmm. grass or ingress point. It, it's going to become this more any, any kind of networking environment, I think. And so anything that can understand those connections on a broader scale and imply rules based off of either protocol or communication or intent or whatever you want to call it, I think is very interesting because I see this world getting more open, not more centralized and closed. You know, That's where the evolution will come from. Harry Svedlov from Edgewise uh, and I were talking. Now, he's coming on the show tomorrow night on Paul's Security Weekly. And we're going to be talking about exactly this, about how firewall is not really the right term anymore. Firewall is perimeter you know gateway which mostly just provides access to the internet today you still need them even though we have the cloud you still need some kind of you know ingress and egress to and from the internet right but we're applying similar concepts to applications and harry and i were were talking about that this would make a good topic for a tomorrow night show to talk about that evolution and how firewall is really not the right term anymore I mean, nothing against firewalls but now we're managing the relationships and trust between applications and containers and virtual uh, systems that are live in various cloud environments. And that's really where it's at today. And it's yeah, it's different. actually, I think the perimeter is a combination of the application and the user. Mm -hmm. If we think about how we interact with these new applications, it's a user communicating directly to an application. And so the perimeter is shifting from that kind of data center, corporate mm -hmm. perimeter, more to a combination of the application and the user. I think mm. that's where the new perimeter is shifting. And so in Edgewise's case, it's very application specific. I think you're also going to see aspects of this on the identity user side of yes. the equation because it's the two of them that are going to create this new 
it's it's the new perimeter to it me. Is. It That's is. where it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that was that was some good talking points for the first story. <laughs> it's awesome. They're not all as, as, <laughs> as thought provoking, right? Uh, did you start in Utimaco? They work on securing the future of IoT from quantum computing threats through collaboration with Microsoft. And this is something that uh, representatives from DigiCert talked about last year on the Security Weekly Network, how, and really, to put this story in context, save you some reading, let's say in the future, every single vehicle that's on the road has some type of certificate, right? When it comes to quantum computing, if you're able to uh, take it, you know, basically use quantum computing to bypass the protections and access controls, you could potentially access all the vehicles uh, that are on the roads today. And so DigiCert's really awesome. They just created a labs group. They're very, very involved in the community and making sure we're aware of problems like this and that we're getting ahead of the problem. Uh, so they're in all of the workgroup meetings. They're meeting with the big companies like Microsoft. They're meeting with government agencies to make sure that we stay ahead of this problem. Uh, and I think it's doing a really great service to the security community uh, in a lot of their recent announcements. Uh, let's see, Lacework announces a security support for Microsoft, Azure, and multi-cloud environments. I, I don't know that this is really news anymore, Matt, but I think that if you're providing security services today, I mean, pretty much on your roadmap is you got to support at least the three major um, cloud platforms from Microsoft, uh, Google, and Amazon, right? I mean, that's table stakes today. It is. It's table stakes. And, and I think you will conti- we'll continue to see these types of announcements. A lot of people went after Amazon when they built these sure. initial solutions because they were the 800-pound gorilla in the room. But look, Azure on the Microsoft side is getting a lot of growth and adoption primarily because of the way Microsoft is bundling it as part of the enterprise license agreement. Yeah. And so you're going to continue to see people move from Amazon-only solutions to Azure-based solutions, Mm -hmm. and then eventually to Google Cloud Platform as kind of the third. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, you're not seeing a lot of traction from Oracle Cloud or some of the IBM Mm -hmm. Cloud yet or any of these things. So I think what you'll see is anybody who's done, you know, Evident.io had to go through this transition. You've got others. um, So this will continue. Yeah. And I think that Looking in the future, I kind of look at it like operating systems, right? When I first started in IT, we had a lot of different, even when there weren't, when we thought there wasn't that many operating systems, you know, when you peel it back, we had an AS400, we had OS2 Warp, we had Windows, we maybe had some then Unix and Linux systems. And I think it's the same thing with cloud. As we move forward, you're going to have applications for Azure, Google Cloud, and Amazon. And you basically, they're like three new operating systems or, or hosting environments. But I look at it like no one has today, in most organizations, all the same operating system across the board, right? No, luckily, we're not dealing with HPUX, AIX, or Solaris anymore. But <laughs> True. I do, those were awesome operating systems at various times in their own right, certainly. <laughs> but um, it'll be interesting to see. And, you know, there's, of course, the, you know, was it Threat Stack? Also, there's other very focused providers uh, as well. Um, and so those could come into the mix uh, as time goes on. Um, Aspire Solutions and CyberX team up to strengthen, this is uh, industrial cybersecurity. I have not heard 
Have we talked about Spire Solutions and CyberX before, Matt? No, I don't think so. I think they're based out of the Middle East. This, it mm. looks like this announcement came out of the Middle East. It looks like they're doing a show in Riyadh. Um, so this looks like it's coming out of that area. So I was not familiar with either one of these vendors, but it shows you that industrial control systems and the need to protect them is definitely something that that's con continuing to evolve. We've mm -hmm. got a number of startups in the U.S. and Israel. This looks like a group out of the Middle East because of all the oil and um, natural mm -hmm. gas and, and activity in the Middle East. These are just, I think, continual evolutions of how do you protect the industrial control complex and um, another announcement in the space. Uh, an announcement in the bot protection uh, space, Perimeter X, is, has raised $43 million. That's pretty cool. This space is growing. I, it's interesting. I think we may have speculated that it was going to just be included uh, and swallowed up much of the same way as the SOAR uh, vendors have been uh, on a trend of that lately. But there seems to be a lot of funding and a lot of great companies. Uh, we did an interview with, with someone from, the, from this space. We've done some stuff Sequence. with Still. We've done some stuff with Sequence. Uh, I'm familiar with uh, Perimeter X. And there's a few other uh, players uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a crowded space, but I, I think it's a growing space because people realize they have this problem and they try, the people I've spoken with are like, yeah, I tried to solve it myself and like write some stuff and, you know, shoehorn some other tools to help me. And then they're like, you know, I heard security weekly and you were talking about the various vendors and he's like, it was so much better once I you know, found a vendor solution for it. So, yeah, I think the, what, what came out of the sequence interview a couple of weeks ago, uh, BSW that you and I mm. did is a third of all internet traffic is malicious bot traffic. And in the challenge here is just reducing that malicious bot traffic. And so mm -hmm. there's a big problem here. And there are, you know, three, four, five vendors in the space that are trying to address it. Does it stay a standalone space? Probably not. Mm -hmm. But there's definitely a big problem trying to get that malicious act, that malicious traffic out of your environment. Uh, let's see. Shift Left, uh, an application security firm, has raised $20 million, um, which doesn't surprise me. Application security is just going to continue to get, I think, tons of funding. Yeah, I mean, we just talked about this a little while ago. The application and the user mm -hmm. are the next perimeter. And so I think you're going to continue to see a lot of investment in application security and user security, whether it's identity, access, doesn't matter. You're going to see growth here. The one interesting thing for me, this, you know, there's, they came out, I think, originally with nine or 10 million. This is another $20 million round. Um, this is behind some very big funding rounds in the container security space with Aqua and Twistlock and Stack Rocks. I'm waiting to see how this market plays out a little bit. You, you know, most people know I came from Layered Insight. I never saw Chef, Shift Left in a deal. Yep. I, I just, I, we never saw them. It was always Aqua, Twistlock, mm -hmm. and us in those conversations. Stack Rocks occasionally. I never saw Shift Left. So, you know, the question is how much traction are they really getting? You know, how do they continue to accelerate uh, growth in a market that's got two pretty big leaders with Aqua and Twistlock already there? New Vector, I think, which we might cover, made some new announcements. You know, so that space is it's getting a little crowded. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how different aspects of this container and application security market play out. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Semantic acquire zero trust cloud security startup, Luminate Security. I was not familiar with Luminate. I wasn't either. And I, when I first saw this, I, I kind of 
was looking around um, to get an idea of how big were these guys. They're, I think they were only around since like, was it May of 2018? This was a pretty fast exit. I don't even think they've been out of stealth for a year um, and took a good amount of money. Um, so I don't know how established they were, Paul, but um, pretty interesting acquisition by Semantic. And it's it's just what we were talking about before. Um, the And I was going to mention this, the Zero Trust Enterprise Security Model developed by Google, which shifts access control from the network perimeter to individual users and devices. Uh, in fact, Wendy Nather, uh, I think she's still at Duo. Um, Duo was supporting this Google initiative uh, as well. Uh, and it sounds like there were other companies who were implementing it, which is exactly what we're talking about before, right? There's no perimeter anymore. I go on my phone, I go to access one of my apps, and the application's making the decision, should Paul, is Paul really Paul, and should Paul be able to access it? And should Paul's device be able to access it, right? Is it a supported device? Is it vulnerable? Is it whatever? Um, kind of taking a page out of many things in the past, network admission control and, and things like that, but moving it up into the application. All right, now we've got a few stories on vulnerability management before we talk about vulnerability management. So we'll cover them quickly and probably go into more detail. Um, but this one caught my eye where Tripwire IP360, I haven't seen an announcement for this vulnerability management product in some time, Matt. In it's some time. I mean, we were paying attention a for a long time, too. <laughs> so We were. Yeah, I mean, Tripwire's gone through this very interesting transformation. They got bought by Tom, Toma Bravo. Mm -hmm. uh, Toma Bravo kind of then rolled them in with Belden and spun them back out under Belden. And originally, you know, I, I briefed with, with some of the folks over at Tripwire and at Black Hat. And what I really saw was, okay, trying to leverage IP360 in the industrial control system space, tightening up their relationship with Belden because they had some brands in the ICS space. So you hadn't heard much about IP360 in, it's been years, mm -hmm. okay? And look, when we were at Tenable, we were displacing Tripwire a lot. I think all the three major players were because there wasn't a lot of investment going into IP360. Mm-hmm. IP360 also includes CCS, which was their configuration stuff. Yep. And so what I think they've done is they've rolled all this together with some of their new ICS detections and said, look, we can detect 200,000 things, which mm. is a combination of vulns and configurations and maybe some ICS stuff. Um, okay, but mm. how many people are still using Tripwire IP360? Oh, so many years later. So uh, I don't know if this is... A big announcement, really, at the end of the day. I'm just, I think they've lost so much market traction yeah. over the past few years. I think nobody cares. Um, and 200,000 sounds like a lot, but it's really not no. when it comes down to it. I mean, you, when you, you think, you could have, no, when you think about every operating system yeah. and every variation of a configuration, you can get there pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you couple that with regular scanning plugins that one plugin can find multiple conditions right so you can get yeah. to two hundred thousand pretty fast uh which is kind of interesting um tenable is and has announced the general availability of predictive prioritization and I, I think many of us knew this was coming uh that the major vulnerability vendors were especially this year going to try and tackle that problem where how do I prioritize and remediate my vulnerabilities? I think there's two things, right? There's prioritization and remediation. How do I more tightly couple that to my patch and vulnerability management strategy? And how do I, 
I, as the big vulnerability management players, not lose market share to, you know, Kenna and RiskSense, uh, Nopsec, uh, to, you know, that are doing that? Yeah, here's the problem I have with this announcement. First of its kind, no. Mm. Kenna's been doing this for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing I don't like about this press release is they pre-announced Lumen last year before it was ready. They finally come up with a capability and say it's the first of its kind ever. It's not. All the TVM vendors are doing this. Ken has been doing this for at least almost 10 years now. You've got NOPSEC, RiskSense, Bay Dynamics. All these guys are doing it. And when you look at it, they're saying, well, we can do predictive based on exploit. Yep. All the TVMs have been doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the TVMs also bring in asset criticality into this discussion for prioritization. I, <sighs> Okay, I, I know you got to create some noise. You just did your funding announcement, but I just look at this and go, just be truthful about it. Okay, it's, maybe it's the first VM vendor that's done it, but there's a lot of other vendors out sure. there that have been doing this for years, and, and maybe even doing it better. Of, speaking of being a tru- being truthful about it, here we are, you know, kind of picking on this announcement, especially the fact that it's unique when Matt and I both have a vested interest that we probably should disclose, right? Uh, in, in Tenable, uh, we're invested in Tenable, of course. Um, but, you know, in, so we want to see them do well, but I think some of the marketing, you know, maybe got in the way. Uh, it's a really fancy name, predictive, you know, prioritization. What does that really mean? Uh, you can predict the priority of my vulnerabilities. Um, I mean, sure, the, the other thing with these types of features that I think is really the differentiator is how much work do I have to put in to make this predictive uh, algorithm work properly, right? And th- that's been some of the complaints with all of these types of systems is I got to manually go in and configure them and put in a lot of data in order for it to make decisions as to, okay, well, this vulnerability, yeah, it's a 10 on the CVSS score, but you've got these other compensating controls in place, so therefore it's now a seven, right? I mean, and you're right, Matt. So many companies have been trying to do this since the beginning of time. I think the real differentiator that should be in their announcements is we've made this easy to use by the end user. That would be a huge selling point for me. It would. Um, And it would also be very interesting to say, look, we'll integrate data from other sources, which I don't think I saw in this release Mm -hmm. either, because that's where the TVM vendors have an advantage actually Mm -hmm. right now is because they'll pull data from Tenable, Qualys, Rapid7, device and uh, application. They're pulling Veracode and BlackDuck and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to think about true vulnerability prioritization, we'll talk about this in our evolution segment. It's not just about one source of data anymore for vulnerabilities. The sources are wide. And even though you have these capabilities within a single vendor, how many people are using Tenable to do device, application, container, and whatever other vulnerability detections you need to do. You're not because you're using multiple solutions because you're still using best of breed. Who's going to bring all that data together and prioritize across that whole set of data? That's the other thing I'd like to see is open it it up, allow integration, leverage those models, make it easy. Then maybe there's a big story here. This is just a catch-up with the Lumen announcement that was premature to say, look, we finally have something. Um, I think the major announcement from the VM space right now is from Qualys. uh, Oh, yeah. Certainly. This is game-changing. This is something Um, we've been 
I mean, so many have been advocating for in the VM space is to say, look, you can discover all my vulnerabilities and configuration, or many of them, uh, and configuration, uh, you know, issues. Why can't you just help me patch it? Like you're there, right? There was the time when everyone all of a sudden had an agent, right, that you could put on your systems and. Uh, you had authentication and authenticated scanning and now container support and all of these things. And it's like, well, why, why can't I just go in and fix it? Why do I got to go get another tool or whatever? I just want to be able to fix issues. Qualys has made this announcement, it looks like. Huge news. This was the number one, number one use case every customer asked me for when I was at Tenable. Mm-hmm. Give me a closed loop patch process. You identify the vulnerability, you know the patch is missing, apply the patch, rescan, and tell me that it's closed. Yes. And nobody was willing to go here. No one up until this point has been willing to go there. And I I take my hat off to Philippe. Look, I I work for them. I worked for Qualys for Mm -hmm. over two and a half years, almost three. And this was one of those lines Philippe was really not willing to cross, right? Is stepping over that line to take action. This is the first announcement um, that I've seen where Qualys is willing to say, look, there is a valid use case. There is a customer demand to go out and apply the patch. And I think this is game changing mm. in the VM space for these vendors um, because for a long time, he was not willing to go there. And here we are. Right. Um, this is huge news this week. Um, so that'll round out the news. Uh, we're going to talk more about vulnerability management coming up in the next segment. So stay tuned. 